Welcome into another episode of Mic'd Up with Mellow and Big Country, brought to you by America RV. <laughs> Why work from home when your office could be in Yellowstone? Mid-America RV is your gateway to adventure with their diverse selection of travel trailers, fifth wheels, teardrops, and toy haulers. They have the right size RV for any vehicle, all covered by their exclusive RV warranty forever. Game days, remote workplace, and family vacations are all better in an RV from Mid-America RV. Experience travel like you never have before. Find out more at MidAmericaRV.com. Absolutely. Who let the dogs out? You know what I mean. But next up is going to be Downtown Lube, located right here in the heart of Joplin, Missouri. Located on 1st in Maine. They do specialize in tires and lube, but they are much more than that. So be sure to visit their website at DowntownLube.com for their full list of services. Not a matter of if. Matter of when you're gonna need that old change in those tire service. So make sure you get that taken care of right here in Joplin at Downtown Lube. And uh, you that said, was- you know, big country and mellow, and with a uh, feature Reese. <laughs> that was the most perfect dog bark ever. Like, it sounded like a sound clip. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> he's pretty perfect. He's and he's really, really talented at not listening. Pro Bowl level. <laughs> that was great. Really. I think you have to find a way to get him to do that every week. All I have you to do is one more. You want to hear it again? You want to hear it again? Yeah. Who's here? Nope. Never mind. All right. Silly me. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought that's the one time he doesn't do it? Do you want to show off any other tricks that he cannot yeah. do? You want to watch him sit? You got to run away. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, embarrassing i'm like uh, i'm flustered right now <laughs> <laughs> well, here, good to be back nope. <laughs> it's like when you ask somebody to do something funny again like, nope you had that one chance yeah one opportunity no, you lost it uh <laughs> it feels good to be back with real football on though i am back podcasting again week one of college football we're gonna dive into that one where it actually started i know we had games before uh, now it really feels Real. It wasn't just one Thursday night game, one one Friday night game. We had a full Saturday slate. We had mm-hmm. a great game on Sunday night, and then another upset on Monday. We're going to dive into all that. Plus, we have uh, the NFL season kicks off on Thursday night. We're going to dip into that a little bit and give our, our final, our league predictions on who we think is going to win the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, all that good stuff. But I do feel like we have to do what everybody else is doing right now. And that's starting off by talking about the Colorado Buffaloes. Mm-hmm. I need to probably issue an apology. And I did on the article that comes out on the Draft Scout. It's called The State of College Football. I've questioned Deion Sanders this entire time. I really liked him as a player. I, I think he's the best shutdown corner ever. I really doubted him as a coach. When Jackson State hired him, I thought, well, this is like a gimmick. This is you're using him for attention, and maybe he'll bring in some recruits. Maybe he'll help out just a little bit, but this isn't a real move. This is just mm-hmm. you going after a big name. And then when he got hired at Colorado, I thought, this is too early. You're going after a guy who had two good seasons at Jackson State, and now you're throwing him into uh, the Pac-12, or I guess now it's going to be the Big 12. I thought it was too early. And maybe it's too early to apologize But Colorado looked really good in week one, and they looked much better than I thought they would. Yeah, and I mean, it's a it's a whole new team. You know what I mean? Like top to bottom, you know, you know, Dion gets there and his first thing that he does with that press conference is like, hey, like I'm coming. 
And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you hear him saying, like, all right, like, I get it. You've said it, like, 15 times. But, like, he made it pretty clear. He's like, hey, I'm coming, you know, and I got Louie with me. And you're just like, ah, like, ha-ha, whatever. You hear about all these kids transferring out. And now you kind of realize, like, yeah, the guys that transferred out are guys that couldn't cut it, guys that probably didn't deserve to be at that level of a school, and you never want to say that about a kid, right, and athletic ability. But when you just watch what Colorado did with TCU in competing in that game and staying in it, but it was also the fact of, you're just, you know, you're exchanging blows back and forth the whole game all the way till the end of it. And your offense led by your son at quarterback. Defensively, you're just, you got studs on the field. You know, your son's playing at safety. You got Travis Hunter at corner making, you know, huge interception, being a dog on offense as well. And I think when you look at Colorado, you kind of go, okay, hey, like they got all of our attention, but here's the next thing. Go do it again. Let's see if you can do it this yeah. next week against a, a true Big Ten team because they play Nebraska. And so it's like, okay, hey, you look at Nebraska, they had a close loss against Minnesota. It was a fun matchup. You hate to see it for Nebraska because you're hoping for, you know, a great start and an exciting start, excuse me, in the Matt Rule era. But you might get the opportunity right here against Colorado where the world is all eyes on them. And maybe you get the opportunity here for Nebraska to be like, okay, hey, like, we're up here too. Now give us some love. But if Colorado yeah. comes out in and Nebraska. blows out Nebraska, like, whew, look out because mm-hmm. it's going to be nuts. Yeah, and I, I'm excited about that game. I put it on one of my games to watch this week. It's the home opener. Uh, Colorado went into TCU and came out with the victory. I think most of us probably watched that game, uh, and it was. It was really exciting. It, it was a good game. I'm not sure how great either one of those teams are right now, and I know I questioned TCU all of last year. I'm still doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's a very good football team. They lost almost yeah. everyone from last year. But I do think that yeah. Colorado – did enough that they can build off of that week one win. And they were underdogs. They were doubted. So it's nice for them to come away with that win. And and for Dion, and I can't call him Coach Prime. I don't know why. I don't like it. Um, but for yeah, Dion to come seems out. Seems cheesy almost. It does, yeah. It's But he's kind of winning me over, too. Like, uh, you know, we talk about Aaron Rodgers and how I'm kind of a Rodgers guy. I, I love the pregame clips that are coming out. Of Dion Sanders in the locker room. And, like, it got me going even. Like, I got chills watching it. And even when he just starts off, like, usually God gives me a word before now, uh, but he hasn't yet. And then he just starts rolling. And it felt, like, rehearsed. Like, that is a line out of a a movie. It was Mm -hmm. so perfect. And, like, we're not coming anymore. And the whole team goes, we're here. It's like, I was ready to play. I'm getting chills again talking about it. That was was one of the best pregames ever. And it was the pause in between he said it. He's like, we're not coming no more. And you're kind of like, well, what do you mean by that? And it's like, oh, my God. It's like, we're here. And they're all like, we're here. We're here. And then he just, you know, gets a little quiet. He's like, play me my theme music. And then he just kind of walks into, like, the crowd of the players. To me, like, I would absolutely love that as a player. Like, mm-hmm. I yeah, would 1,000% buy players. into that. I can see why the players are are buying into it. Why recruits like Travis Hunter are like, yep, I'm going to go play here. I might have to go to Jackson State, but that's where I'm going to go because I want to play for Deion Sanders. And it, I think that is a very good uh, way to build a program is just through recruiting. And then hire good coordinators that can run your offense and defense. Go be the CEO. You don't have to have your hand in everything. And I don't know how much Dion is controlling there. But I, as a recruiter, He's going to go off this year at Colorado as a recruit, mm-hmm. I think, because they they will have a better class this year at Colorado than they have in a very long time. 
And Dion will bring him in. And, you know, even like his, his son, Sherrod, who, uh, sorry, Shador, who plays quarterback there. Mm-hmm. I wondered about him and kind of questioned him as well. Like, okay, you're coming up from the lower levels. Have you earned your spot or is it given to you? And I know Dion came out and said, everybody's going to have to earn their spot, my son included. His boy can ball. He threw for 510 <laughs> yeah. yards. He played very well, and he made some jaw-dropping throws. Like I, he was very throws. impressive. And some of yeah. them were dropped, you know what I mean? Yeah, That's some the of them were dropped. That really got my attention was, you know, you're on the opposite hash. You throw it across the field along the sideline. You know, your receiver's running deep down the field, blanket coverage pretty much. And you put it right over the top and in the bread basket. And he drops it, and you're like, well, damn, Like that was just a perfect throw. I think it was like the yep. next drive or maybe even the same drive a couple plays later, does it again, receiver catches it, and then everyone on Twitter blows up. But I'm just sitting here like, man, this kid is just flat-out slinging the son, like yep. the son of a gun. You'd love to see it. In Colorado, I don't TCU. think Colorado's going to know what to do with this success. That's the other thing. Let's say they continue on this year. They're going to be sitting here like, uh, we don't know how to handle this, but right on. And the TCU secondary is good. Like I, mm-hmm. I question the TCU, especially their offense. Like Colorado gave up a lot of points, but that secondary is supposed to be pretty good again this year. And Sanders tore him up. He was thirty-eight to forty-seven, five ten yardage, four touchdowns, uh, and then you know you look at the receiving numbers too. Yet four guys go for over one hundred yards. I mean, that's you're spreading the ball out well. And then I, I think Travis Hunter also stole the show. A lot mm-hmm. of people were tweeting about him. And what he was doing, and it was very impressive. The one problem I did have, and I kind of tweeted about it a little bit, is that you have people saying, like, man, we've never seen anything like this before. You have, because Charles Woodson won the Heisman Trophy in the late 90s. It's been like 25 years. Some people probably have never seen it, but for, like, the broadcasters and announcers, we've never seen anything like this. You probably have, but it's still impressive what Travis Hunter is doing. And... Uh, if you voted on the Heisman Trophy right now, it's been one game. It's way too soon. If you voted right now, Travis Hunter would win off that one game. I mean, he played like 129 yeah. snaps. He was great on offense. 11 catches, 119 yards, but then also a huge interception. So he is he's doing things that we haven't seen since Charles Woodson. Because even Chris Gamble played cornerback, receiver, and special teams at Ohio State. He didn't do it like Travis Hunter did it in week one. So it is very special. And it, if I had a vote for the Heisman right now, it would go to Travis Hunter. I can't wait to see what he does next week. I, I can't wait to see if he can do this all season. That's a lot of play in time. Yeah. But, I mean, he didn't look tired. I know he was probably riding a high, a little bit of a drilling rush there. He didn't look tired after the game, though. So we'll see what he no. can do. But it was, it was a very impressive performance from Colorado all around. Yeah, and you know, heading into this weekend's game, we have our our team, the Texas Longhorns, making the trip to Tuscaloosa to play the Alabama Crimson Tide. And uh, when you watch the game against Rice, you're not really that confident heading into this week, you know. And it's you're playing Rice, mm-hmm. and I get, you know, they got JT Daniels at quarterback, and it's like, well, hey, you know, there's some talent there. <laughs> One, how many different schools has JT Daniels played for now? Is this literally his fourth school? He started at USC. Mm-hmm. He went to Georgia. Went to West Virginia. West Virginia, and yeah. now he's at Rice. So this is yeah, his fourth literally. school in like seven years. Because he was at USC for two years, and I think he was at Georgia for two years. This is year oh number six. Gosh. 
COVID and sucks, but man, they brought some cool college football storylines. Is he making that much NIL money, or does this dude just want to play football that bad? No. you got to love the desire. he just wants but... to play football. Yeah, so good for him. I mean, it, he kind of keeps regressing. And watching him on Saturday, <laughs> uh, you and I were texting, uh, watching the game, and I, I was not happy with what I saw out of Quinn Ewers. But I texted you. I was like, well, at least he's not JT Daniels, though, because that dude looks awful. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just not there. I, I don't dog shit. He doesn't look like he can play quarterback for Rice. Like This dude started at USC as a great player and now struggling at Rice. Uh, but Texas did struggle. And we'll see what happens with them this weekend. They've got to bounce back, but they've got to do it against Alabama and Nick Saban. And Alabama looked good in week one. I, they played a no one. It wasn't uh, much worse than what Texas did with Rice. But Alabama looked good in their win. Texas did not look good in their win. I don't have high hopes for this weekend as a Texas fan. I, I think Alabama wins this game, and I don't think it's as close as it was last year. You know, but I, I kind of hope it's one of those with Texas trying to just kind of get everything rolling in the right direction. You know, we were that second half, Texas did look much better. Defense was flying around. Offense was making yeah. plays. All aspects. So maybe it was just this first half was just kind of getting the wrinkles out of it. Thing on, uh, figure out what's working for, figure out what's not. Maybe you come into this Alabama game and you play up a level, you know, to competition. And this is one thing I've talked about Texas for years now is they always play up or down to the level of competition that they're playing, which has left them in close games against teams that they shouldn't be, or even losing games to teams that, again, they shouldn't be. Maybe when you face a team like Alabama, who you almost beat last year, if it isn't for a fourth down you know, broken sack from Bryce Young and then him scurrying away for another 30 years. Texas win. That's just how close they were. And you get it in test. Maybe go them. And if that's the case, then here come the rubblings of Texas is back or is Texas back. You've said it last year and you kind of yeah. said it before, like Texas being back is winning 10 games, right? I don't even know what Texas being back truly means outside of it's just like a, a fun joke to kind of throw around here or there. Yeah. That's the only and thing that kind of really gets me with it. They can lose this game and still be back. This is not a conference game for them. Not this year. So they can still go out and lose this game. They can actually get their asses kicked. And it won't matter that much at the end of the year because they could still run the table in the Big 12 and come out champions. And if they do that, if they run the table in the Big 12, and their only loss is to Alabama, they might still make the college football playoff. So I, mm -hmm. I want to see them play well. I don't know how well they will play. And, and if I'm putting on my homer hat again, Rice kind of felt like a trap game. Like even them winning, really? it still felt like a trap. Of They were looking ahead. Everybody knows that Alabama mm -hmm. is next week. You're not really that geared up for Rice. And that's, that's the difference between Steve Sarkeesian and Nick Saban is that Nick Saban is not going to let you have that letdown week where you come out and you look sluggish. I mean, it's happened before, but I, I think that's one of the differences between a Nick Saban-led team and, and any other coach besides maybe Kirby Smart. And Georgia didn't look great at times last year even. Another team that didn't look great this week, though, was also Clemson. And watching that game this weekend shocked me. Uh, my fiancé asked me if there were any games on on Monday that I wanted to watch. 
And I said, eh, Duke and Clemson play. It probably won't be that good of a game, but I'll go ahead and watch it anyway. And I thought it was kind of a boring game. It wasn't anything too exciting, but Clemson does lose, and that's huge. And Dabo Sweeney, I think a lot of people have already talked about it, like what's going on there? Because Clemson used to be dominant. We thought they might be the next Alabama, and then here comes Georgia. And it's just not looking like things are going quite as well as they used to. The trajectory for Dabo Sweeney isn't what we thought it would. And I think a lot of it, talking to our, our guy Thor on, on Twitter, I think a lot of it is Dabo Sweeney absolutely refuses to embrace the transfer portal. You have every yeah, other team and every other coach just going for it now, saying, yeah, bring me your good players. We don't care if we recruited you originally. You come in, you can play. We don't care where you're at in college. And then NIL, too. I don't think he's embraced that fully like he could. And it might be, eventually, his downfall is those two things right there. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's what happened to Clemson. You know, you asked, well, what, what's going on with Clemson? The NIL, you know, transfer portal was another thing. Dabo made it pretty clear. He's like, man, we can recruit our own. There's no need for us to go take advantage of that. Well, you know, it kind of stinks when you, you know, you're recruiting these four or five-star players and then, you know, they're not getting to play like they think they should or want to and they go off to another school the next year. Mm-hmm. No stories of, oh, man, look at this kid that stayed around and played and got his opportunity. Now he made the most of it. I love those, like, you know, heartfelt type of stories, like this comeback story of this kid. The, the reason the kid stayed there and kept working hard or whatnot wasn't because he was just some great kid from the start. He probably sucked. Like, he just he didn't deserve playing time. So he just kind of had to work and keep developing. And then when he got to that opportunity, his hard work had paid off. Some of these kids are already developed on that. They're ready to play. They're ready to rock and roll. I'm going to go somewhere where I can do that. Clemson's got to realize that right now. And you've got to realize, like, you're making a lot of money as a school. Pay these kids if you want them to stay there. DJ Uyunglele went to Oregon State. Not sure if anyone noticed. Dude has all day to throw the football and looks pretty damn good all of a sudden. Again, Oregon State not really playing that anybody. Offensive line, that offensive line at Oregon State is also great. It's better than Clemson's for sure, especially yeah. after watching uh, Cade Klubnik just run all over the place and then yeah. try to hurdle people too and just getting laid out. Or Sorry, that was the Jordan Travis game. But Cade Klubnik literally running for his life. And yeah, then, and good for Duke. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is like Duke, you know, you mentioned just a little bit ago, they did take advantage of the transfer portal. They do got some kids. That's a school that does have money as well, thanks to their basketball program. If you can just kind of feed off of that and all of a sudden you become a basketball and a ba- and a football school, you're going to be rolling more money than you probably know what to do with. Like that's a, you know, yeah. I think that's a transition good. we're trying to see schools like Kansas do, too. If, if Kansas can continue the success at football and you're making that money in football and in basketball, Man, oh, man, are you going to have money to spend. And that's going to be exciting. And Duke looked good last year, too. So, I mean, they're building on something. And I I think Dabo Sweeney even came out and was talking about how good they were last year and how they just played mistake-free football and and all these, like, good compliments about Duke and and their football program. And then they come out, and it's at home. The stadium was kind of rocking a little bit. They had an impressive showing. And they do have, have a good quarterback. They've got a really good offensive line. They can make some noise in the ACC this year, but I think the top dog is Florida State, and we learned that on Sunday night because they kicked the shit out of LSU. And LSU, I think, is a good football team. They just ran into a very good Florida State team, and it's it's weird to say that because I don't know if Florida State has been good since I've been podcasting. 
but it, they are back. Florida State is is back, and they should take care of business this year in the ACC, which means they're going to punch their ticket in the college football playoff for sure, too. I had them ranked as the number four team in the preseason, and I thought like that was a little risky of me. But looking at that roster, I just thought, yeah, this is this is it for them. They've got a veteran quarterback, huge playmakers on the outside at receiver. You're bringing in kids from the transfer portal. That defense was stout last year, and you got a lot of guys back from it. So I was a believer early in, on Florida State, and they proved me right on Sunday night because they walloped LSU. Like, that game wasn't even close in the fourth quarter, and mm-hmm. they just kept putting it on them. And they've got two receivers that you are just going to absolutely love. Uh, one of them is six foot seven. He's just he is a mm-hmm. giant, mm-hmm. and looked so good uh, against Clemson. He, or sorry, against um, LSU. Struggled a little bit early with some drops, but I think he fixed it. And then their other receiver, uh, Keon Coleman. Sorry, Johnny Wilson is six foot seven, but then Keon yeah. Coleman almost looked small on the field compared yeah. to Johnny Wilson because Wilson is six foot seven. Keon Coleman is six foot four. Came down with three touchdowns and looked. Amazing, and I, I think that's something we're going to see continue with Florida State. And I think in years past, too, we've seen teams like Florida State get a lead or get a little bit of a lead and then blow it and let a team come back. They didn't do it. They did what we always say, put your foot on their throat, end them, and they did it. Uh, they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. Florida State looked very impressive. A lot of people are talking about Colorado. A lot of people need to be talking about how good Florida State looked. And if you're Florida State, you kind of love that you're not necessarily getting all the attention that Colorado is because you don't want to turn it into the school of like, yeah, we got hyped super early into the season, and now we're just kind of declining. You know, we got too hot too soon. But your point there is like they put the dagger in LSU, and they left Brian Kelly just sitting there with some dumb look on his face. Like, ah, there's nothing we can do to stop these guys. Like, me and my family, we're going to have to go home and, you know, recuperate and figure out what we're going to do moving forward because tonight was just naughty against Florida State Seminoles. They came in here and they whipped our ass as they are undefeated in New Orleans. I just like to think that's probably exactly what he said in his press conference because I did not watch it. But I did see that stat as well during the game of, like, Florida State has not lost a game in New Orleans. That's interesting. If you're Florida State, you're doing whatever you can to make sure every big game you have from here on out is in the city Mm -hmm. of New Orleans. But I love the fact that Florida State kind of came in with a lot of question marks and some hype as well. But, I mean, they put the world on notice right there. And I looked at their schedule before the season, and, you know, my youngest brother that I have in the family is on a swim scholarship to Florida State. Kid's a stud, love to see it. And, you know, I was talking to my dad about it, and it's kind of one of these deals where he goes, oh, you think Florida State's got a chance? It's like, eh, you know, there's some hype there, but that's a tough schedule. Like, to open up the year against LSU, who had a really good season last year, you know, Brian Kelly, a little rough start, but then they started to figure it out. They're going to add some talent in the transfer portal. That's going to be a scary team to play, especially a year with. <laughs> Boy, talk about putting my foot in my mouth. Now you look at the rest of the schedule. They do got Duke. They do got Clemson. They end the year with Florida, of course. But there's just a possibility where we look at Florida State through this year and go, their schedule actually looks a little bit easier now that we've kind of seen the landscape of mm-hmm. what these teams look like after week one. Week two and week three, maybe there's a different conversation to be had. But Florida State right now looks scary and exciting to see. They might be a team right there in the college football playoff. And you, sir, mm-hmm. put them at number four right to start the year. So right now, do you keep? have you kept them at four or are you moving, have you moved them up to maybe three? I'm moving them up to three. And the, oh, I kept Michigan at two. Uh, I kept Georgia at one. 
even those two teams, I, I think Florida State looked the most impressive. So if like somebody else wanted to vote them at one, I have no problems with that at all. I think they were the best-looking team after week one. Uh, a team that I did drop, though, was Ohio State. And they just did not yeah. look as crisp as usual. And that's a, that's a thing I patted myself on the back that I was wrong about. I thought Kyle McCord would come in and do – well, I, I thought that he would just be the next guy to carry the torch and that that Ohio State offense would continue to roll. And that doesn't seem to be the case after week one where it's way too early to overreact. But Ohio State usually puts up more points than 23 on Indiana. And like you're gearing up for it. It's a conference game. It's not like a rivalry or anything, but it is a conference game. So it's not like Texas coming out and being sluggish against Rice. This is Ohio State playing another Big Ten team. You should come out ready to go, and you should come out and put up big numbers against Indiana, and they just didn't. Maybe it's first start jitters for these quarterbacks. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, but I, I was a little disappointed in Ohio State, so I did drop them in my rankings, and I just expected more out of the, the entire offense. And I know that you took a little bit of a problem because they have a quarterback that wears number 33. Devin Brown Stupid. got in a couple reps. Wearing number 33 out there. Like, no. <laughs> You're not going to be a quarterback on my team and have a number outside of the numbers 1 through 19. 21, like the Sam Horn kid at Mizzou, mm-mm, mm-hmm. switching it. You can be 21 in baseball. You can be 21 in basketball. Don't care. Absolutely love it. The moment you step on a football field, you better be minus than three, big guy. You know, because, like, that's just ridiculous. I think that is so – because I even think the number 19 looks kind of stupid on a football uniform. I don't like, like I the just, number 19 either. Yeah, like, I just think it's like, ugh. Like, as even a, like, maybe it's just the number 19 as a whole, because I don't even like it as in receivers either, to be honest with you. Um, no, but, I'll take it a step further for you. The number 19, I won't even turn my volume in my truck or my TV to volume 19. We are sitting at 18 or I'm going up to 20. I don't care if it's a little bit uncomfortable. I will not use the number 19 for anything. I, I don't like the number 19. I don't know what it is. 